start to be able to connect with a child before they can even connect with themselves. Yeah. And I want your male listeners to really think about what was their experience as a child that resulted in them having to separate from themselves. And it would have sounded like uh, um, things like, I'll give you something to cry about. Hmm. You know, I live in Canada and, and a lot of our kids grow up playing hockey. And it's common knowledge that uh, when you're playing hockey, especially when I was a kid and I would go out and, you know, watch the community hockey games in the town that I grew up in, um, where if a kid checked you uh, into the boards and really hurt you during your shift, you get his number. You wipe your tears. Don't be a little girl. You get his number and you get out there and you get him back next time. We got no time for crying. Yo, Ryan Hartley here from Always Better Than Yesterday. Welcome to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring humans to help you in your heart and in your mind in some way, simply to help you be better than you were yesterday. I am the founder of Always Better Than Yesterday. Here in the UK, we have a worldwide Facebook community it would be amazing if you would like to come and grow with us. Head over to Facebook, search We Are Always Better Than Yesterday. It would be our honor and privilege to grow with you. These interview sessions are brought to you by our great friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. Here we go. Episode one. 108. I am so excited to bring an amazing conversation to you with Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. I'm a huge fan of Dr. Vanessa. She is a psychologist that specializes in child development. She's all about helping parents understand and connect with themselves and their children. And she's the author of two books, Parenting Right from the Start and Discipline Without Damage. This is a hugely um, inspiring conversation. I really hope it helps you um, connect with yourself a bit more. If you are a parent, help you connect with your uh, small people a little bit more. And if you're not either, I hope you just enjoy the amazing conversation. So much to take away. And please do share this with either your social network or maybe just one special person in your network right now. Maybe it's a friend, family member, loved one, but they might, you know, they'll come to mind when you hear Dr. Vanessa speak. If they come to mind when you hear what Dr. Vanessa says, just send it to them. Let them know and say, I thought of you when. And uh, yeah, spread the love and enjoy every minute of the next half an hour with Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. Always love, guys. Dr. Vanessa, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you? I am brilliant and thank you for having me on. So, so good to have you. I've been a, a long-term admirer of you and the work that you put on the world. And I, I love this one phrase that I've seen in your work, which is that you help big people understand little people. I'd just love to know a little bit more about your heart work. Yeah. So, you know, 
I came into this gig as a psychologist thinking that I had it kind of all down, you know, like I studied at university for 13 long years. I spent a year studying for my licensing exams. Like God's going to show up and I was going to be really good. And then I became a mother and I was like, what is even happening? This does not translate. All of this sort of head knowledge doesn't always, um, you know, infuse the being and then allow it to come out in the moments when it really matters. I, mm. I couldn't uh, I have this beautiful friend that said the longest road we'll ever travel is the one from the head to the heart. I, I just felt like I wasn't landing. And so I had to figure out what was going on. And as I observed, you know, the many families that I get to support in the work that I do and observed my own process as a parent, I realized that we actually have to make sense of the hearts of the little people. We have to make sense of the hearts of ourselves. And then we have to bring all of that together in order to be able to show up as the big people that are going to... Um, create a, a safe path for them to journey along and become all that they were intended to be well we become all that we were intended to be I love that thank you and and I think it's really interesting isn't it because I a really pivotal moment in my life you know I, I I had my first leadership role at the police you know in my former career um, and I became a parent in the same year and like, that was like the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I really learned the fact that there is no difference between leadership, parenting. Parenting is the greatest leadership example. And I think parenting is just leadership in, in the home. And, you know, I, I'd just love to dive in, have some conversations around what it means to, to um, be a leader, be a parent, you know, that self-leadership that you talk about. Yeah. And so when we are leading, we have to be able to create an experience for the person who's counting on us to be in the lead mm. that has them feeling safe to accept our charge. If they're not safe to uh, lean in to our provision, um, if we don't create that safety and the dynamic with them, then they're not going to lean in. And what I see, you know, for children who are leaned in to their people, their big people, be it their parent, their teacher, their caregiver, whoever the big person is, mm. for a child who's leaned in and made the connection. I grew up a competitive figure skater, shocking but true. And so I'm used to being um, in a, a partner hold on the ice, in the ice dance. And uh, when you're connected to your partner, the hold is firm and solid, then the partner can lead you anywhere. Because when your partner moves, you follow them when the connection exists. But let's say now you've become a really yally shatty parent because your fuse is short. You haven't filled up your own tank. You're carrying forward wounds from your past, whatever it is. You've become this yally shatty parent. So we want the child to lean in but you're busy barking at them. This child's not a fool. From knee high to grasshopper, this child's gonna know to keep themselves safe, they need to move away. And so now you're like, hey, get over here because you want them to come with you. And they're like, oh no, mm. <laughs> the connection is broken. The other side of that is, instead of being a yelly shuddy parent, if you become a like a 
spineless jellyfish parent and you're mm-hmm. you're just kind of not there you don't you're not showing up with expectations and rules and norms and boundaries and all of these lovely things for your kids and so they go to lean in but you're all loosey-goosey like this and they fall flat in their face and then they're like yeah i'm not doing that again check it i'm out <laughs> right <laughs> and so either way you don't have the connection and now you can't be in the lead and the truth is i'm speaking about this and languaging that plays into the big person little person relationship mm-hmm. but if you tweak the languaging a little bit that is true of every relationship that we exist in as human beings mm. yeah you shared a post recently which i added to my story and, and it was about this sense of unconditional love. And, and, and I, I think that transcends the home and extends to the workplace and leadership extending this unconditional love to, to the people that, that work there. But let's save that for a whole nother day. What is it about unconditional love that, that, that kids need? Mm. Kids need to know that they are loved for the very ones that they are. That no matter how they show up, There is nothing wrong about Mm. them. They need to know that we can see through the facade of the mess that sometimes settles into life, that we can see through that facade to their truth, always. And when we make children wrong for being children, we make the two-year-old wrong for being a biter. We make the six-year-old wrong for sometimes having tantrums like a three-year-old. We make our teenagers wrong for seeking to emerge and explore and, you know, try on their independence. Mm. When we make our children wrong for the natural presentation of development as they journey along uh, life's path, they internalize the message. And we wonder then why we in our adult populations, you know, have uh, really a pandemic Mm, of mental mm. health issues, Mm. why divorce rates uh, around the world are approaching 60%. We wonder why all of these things happen. And it's because our children have onboarded messaging from very young that does not serve a love-based existence. It serves a fear-based existence and we see how that translates. And so we really wanna make sure that children are never made wrong for the very ones that they are, which is completely different from having boundaries and holding on to them. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I'm just reflecting, I have an eight-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter and my son, curious as can be, he's got a million and one questions often at bedtime and everything in me wants to nurture that to the point where I have no more capacity to answer a single question. And I know that that's on me. And then my daughter, well, she is, she is Moana, like she is courage personified. And it's just like, I have to have faith that this is going to be good characteristic trait for life and that (laughs) and to be the best dad i can be i need to nurture that and not but it's tricky right it it is tricky how would you describe um parenting pop culture Hmm. we will parent as we were parented which means that the pop culture of our child raising world right now is very much infused with antiquated biases from generations gone by. And so I think that you would probably be hard pressed in the year 2020 going on 2021 
to find, you know, a parent today who would say to you, I really believe that children ought to be seen and not heard. People aren't saying that nowadays, but they behave that way towards their children. We all do. And I'm not, you know, saying I'm holier than thou. We all have that in us because we have all come from generations of parenting where those kinds of thoughts were a very dominant part of how we were raised. And we know that that, um, you know, percolates through time and becomes transferred intergenerationally up until present day. And so we really do need to be mindful about, you know, where it is that we have come from, how our parents were parented, how our parents' parents were parented, and how that's continuing to show up right now. And the dominant pop culture of today's parenting is still what I will call behaviorist, in mentality, which flies completely in the face of everything that we know from the science of child development. Mm. And so we're at this curious sort of, you know, tension filled time where we have the research, which is, you know, at this point, uh, we're about 20 years deep in that research and it's pretty irrefutable. Uh, as far as the importance of connection and um, compassion-based approaches to parenting. Mm. We have that juxtaposed with the, the bias that has crept forward and the two are at complete odds with each other. Mm. Yeah, when you put it like that, you know, and, and um, I guess, you know, I, I use my own example, you know, um, you talked about divorce earlier. I was raised single mum. You know, the epitome of optimism, like worked several, she's a, she's my hero. Um, But that's left me without a male role model in, in my own parenting. So I'm a parent now and I'm, I'm sure there'll be a number of men listening to this who find themselves as parents want to be the best parents they can be, but they're winging it like most parents, but they are proper winging it because they've got no male role model to draw upon, whether that be positive or negative what what advice do you have to to men that maybe don't have that in their lives to mm-hmm. make them or help them be the best parent they can be you know i immediately think of a couple of things the first thing is that for all of time parents were never have meant to go it alone mm-hmm. and that it really does take a village and even if you did grow up in a household uh, with a single mama parent um to consider who were the mentors that showed up in your life along the way. Maybe it was, you know, a coach on a team that you were on. Maybe it was um, one of the elders at your church. Maybe it was a neighbor in your community whose, you know, lawn you mowed once a week. Who was it that showed up? And, and what were you, because nothing's random. Those people showed up in your life for a reason. So what was it that you were meant to pick up? from your interactions with them. And so I would encourage you to think about, did you absolutely have a complete absence of any kind of male role model or mentor? The other thing is that I have uh, increasingly been thinking through the uh, idea of, you know, moms and dads, male and female, the different roles that we have as from a social kind of space, often see males and females occupy in the lives of our children. And I was listening to somebody speak recently, a couple of years back, who talked about the mother uh, figure in a child's life 
or the person with the mother energy. And I was like, oh, that just bent my brain. (laughs) (laughs) And so our parent-child relationships, and so now you're a dad, you grew up in a single parent household uh, with your mom. When you came into your role as a father, into the intimate space of the parent-child relationship, there was something in that that would have been very familiar to you because you have previously existed in the intimate space of a parent-child relationship. Mm. It doesn't actually matter whether it was a male or a female that created that relationship with you. They gave you the template for how to do relationship. Now you will embody the template in your being and then it will come out of you present day as a dad in ways that are authentic to your form, which may not be exactly the way that it played out for you as a child, mm. but, but learning how to engage uh, with a child so that they can trust you, learning how to engage with the child so that they know uh, you've got their back and you're picking up what they're putting down and that you will be moved on their behalf in a way that is very fierce to stand up for what they need, to stand up for what is right for them, to ensure that their world goes round in the way that nature mm-hmm. intended for them. You're going to do all of those things because you had a mother or for some of your listeners, because you had a father, or for some of your listeners who didn't have either, Mm. because you had somebody show up and do that for you. And when we look into the resilience literature in the field of child development, what we see over and over and over again, study after study, after study, after study, is that it only takes one. Mm. And so we don't need to be from a, um, a place of feeling like we didn't get enough or feeling less than we don't need to be too mired in that concern because actually if you had one person show up you got the neurological wiring and the emotional template to show up in your adult life for the children that will then depend on you and like absolutely nail it Mm, i love your passion for this i could speak to you all day oh so we know that connection is important and here's the thing there's a lot of men out there that can't connect with themselves let alone yes. you know, their own emotions where do where do they start yeah where do, where do they start to be able to connect with a child before they can even connect with themselves yeah and i want your male listeners to really think about what was their experience as a child that resulted in them having to separate from themselves and mm-hmm. it would have sounded like um things like I'll give you something to cry about. Hmm. You know, I live in Canada and and a lot of our kids grow up playing hockey. Mm -hmm. And it's common knowledge that uh, when you're playing hockey, especially when I was a kid and I would go out and, you know, watch the community hockey games in the town that I grew up in, um, where if a kid checked you uh, into the boards and really hurt you during your shift, you get his number. You wipe your tears. Don't be a little girl. You get his number and you get out there and you get him back next time. We got no time for crying. Right. Mm. And yet we know from the science of child development that our boys are actually born emotionally and otherwise far more sensitive than our girls. Mm. 
And because of how our parents were socialized and how their parents were socialized, what we've done to our boys is we've taken all of the emotionality that exists in them as children, and we've Mm. told them to stuff that. Mm. And then we wonder why they grow up to be adults who are like, emotions? I don't have emotions, you know? Or I don't have emotions until I do. And now we've got anger problems and other kinds of things presenting. So what I want for all your dads to know, first and foremost, you do have this in you. You are a social species by design, which means you are wired from the moment you were created in utero. You were wired to enter into the parent-child relationship and know how to do it. So you do have it. It's just that it gets a little buried in the leftover effects of how you were parented when you were young. The child that was told, I'll give you something to cry about. Mm. Wipe your tears, get his number and get him back next shift. Suck it up, buttercup. Take it on the chin, princess. (laughs) For all the little boys who are now daddies that got told that, I want you to know that that little boy is still inside of you and he's hurting. Mm. And so there's something about doing our work as grownups where you have to go back to that inner child. There's a beautiful book by a man named John Bradshaw. And the book is called Homecoming. Have you read it? I haven't, no. Oh, it's it's such a life-changing, mind-blowing kind of a read. Um, And in that book, he walks you through how to get connected to that part of yourself. You are all the ages that you have ever been. And so Hmm. in the act of growing up your own children, what will happen is you will feel like your inner child starting to jump around and you'll be like, what is even happening? It's very uncomfortable, Mm. right? And that's the invitation. It's the greatest gift of parenthood. Wow. It reminded me, as you said, that a video that I saw of you speaking at Kerwin Ray's event, it was, um, you asked such a question that I've never heard before. You were, um, how old are you when you're feeling that? And I was like, whoa, like just, to shift that perspective like how old are you when you're feeling that because you know so often we think about being present in the moment and our feeling we're feeling now and it's just like whoa like that blew my mind that blew my mind that question I love that I don't know who first said it uh but the quote is all overreaction is an age regression Hmm. so anytime you're like at your kids Then the question is, oh, sweetie, where did you just go? Like, that's what I want to know from that parent. Where did you just go? Because I know you're not here in your 36-year-old self. Mm. Your 36-year-old self is wise and stunning and intuitive and and so available to this. But your three-year-old self, now three-year-olds don't do such a hot job of growing up little children. So here's your three-year-old self come out to play. And let's connect with why you've gone back to that headspace in this Mm. moment when your child has done that thing. You know, it's also really interesting. My boys are now 13 and seem to be 17. I don't even know how it happened. (laughs) And I have observed in myself in the um, space of being their parent that um, I often, in terms of my reactions, when I'm, you know, not really pulled together, it does happen. 
that I have become the age that they're at. So there's something about, you know, my son at nine that took me back to myself at nine, or there's mm -hmm. something about, um, you know, something that's going down for them at five that takes me back to that. What was going on for me when I was five? Oh, look how I'm recreating that in my present day life. Yeah, it's brave to look at that, isn't it? And, you know, there's a number of traits my son displays, you know, not sitting still, bouncing his legs up and down, you know, <laughs> and just like, and, I, and I, my, I've been with my wife since I was 15. So since school, yeah. so she knew me as a kid, you know, what I mean? and she's like, how dare you say that to him? She's like, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've got this accountability right in my face. And it's like, ah, oh. that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. You um you said something earlier about the um the two sides of, of parenting, you know, not being too strict, not being too soft. And you know, I, I I talk about leading with love and coming from a police background, I'm really clear that you know, love is tough. Not tough love, but love is tough. We love first and then we earn the right to challenge, call people, you know, out to who they're supposed to be. And I think Love Tough really represents your book title, which is Discipline Without Damage. Mm. I'd love to know what are some of the core key principles around uh, Discipline Without Damage. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because I wrote that book. And if you don't read the subtitle, um, or if you do, you might be misled into believing that the book is about, you know, having well-behaved kids. And the truth is, although that may be a fruit of your labor, the book is not so much about children's behavior. It's about grown-ups behavior. <laughs> and that we must shine the light on our own behavior first, because children will be children. Growth will happen. Development will proceed. Maturation is a force. I double dog dare you to get in the way of it. It's going down, right? Mm -hmm. And so kids are going to take care of their business and they're going to move through the developmental um, trajectory that they're meant to be on. So we can just like really settle into some peace around that. The challenge is that we get all up in our business and we start mm -hmm. to react. And so um, love is tough. Is that what you said? Loving love tough. tough. Yeah. 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 And it, it's about holding on to ourselves as grownups so that we can show up and, and create that beautifully balanced energy of being firm and kind at the peak mm. of the parenting mountain mm. and step in with swagger, with leadership, with love, with compassion in order to be the answer that our children are um, needing for us to be for them. You know, a lot of people hear me talk about how important relationship is, and it really is what makes the world go round for all of us. Um, and sometimes they read into that, that you're never meant to, you know, have your children be upset. You're never meant to find them crying because of something that you've said to them. But this is the seedy underbelly of thinking about compassionate parenting. We are not here to make our children happy. We are here to create a, an opportunity for them to grow in exactly the way that nature intended. Mm. And so sometimes they're not going to be happy with the firm side of the mountain, right? And sometimes you can't protect them from everything either. They're right. going to get their first heartbreak. They're going to get their, right. yes. you know, it's, um, yeah. I, in the past, have talked about my own approach to parenting as a little bit like Crush from Finding Nemo. Do you remember the big turtle? <laughs> so the big turtle in Finding Nemo. So he's his little turtle, 
he goes outside the current and, and Nemo's dad has an absolute panic. He's like, no! <laughs> and Crush is like, dude, chill out. And then what the kid does is he gets himself back in and then he's so proud. He's like, dad, did you see me? Did you see me? And I think that's kind of what it means, isn't it? Is to, is to be on hand if something dangerous is about to happen. Yeah. But we need to let them try and figure it out. Okay, so that's my very most favorite like <laughs> analogy for what it is to, to parent from that mm. kind of space that I've ever heard. Um, I, I love it. It's a little like um, you have to be both safe harbor and launching pad. Mm. And, you know, just kind of dance yourself in between those two spaces all the time. Mm. The one thing, you know, and, and I'm always a learning leader. And I think the one thing I have to reflect on through seeing your content is um, because I had a independent mum, I really value independence. Yes. And I think um, I can't remember the quote that you, you shared, but there's something around, um, you know, just not retiring too early. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You know, so my boys who are teenagers now, and they, they are, I mean, they're giant. They're six, two, couple hundred pounds that they, they look like adults. They, they behave in a lot of ways, like adults. They're very independent. My eldest son, who's grade 11 this year, like he just kind of lives his life. You know, we're still very connected, but I don't have to check in on his homework. I don't have to do those things. He's really kind of emerged into this, um, wonderfully capable young man and yet he's 17 he's not 37 he's still a kid he's still finding his way he still has you know those moments when it just gets too big and overwhelming and he needs to kind of you know it's like they have one arm reaching forward into the independence of adulthood but they have this other arm in a yearning kind of way reaching back or just checking to make sure you're still there to be that soft landing for when things go a little bit sideways. And so it's a tempting thing when we see them walking and talking like adults to be like, okay, cool. They got this. (laughs) But my invitation is don't retire too soon. They really do need you. The human brain is not done growing, in fact, until somewhere in the mid to late 20s. And we know that that brain grows best in the context of relationship. Mm. And so our children really need for us to continue to show up in very present and concrete ways to be incredibly available to them so that they get what they need. My partner's um, adult son, he's 21 now, is home for the holidays from university and because of COVID has to quarantine in our lane house for two weeks uh, before we get to spend any real time with him. And I was saying all of yesterday, I didn't even get to see Ben the whole day uh, because he just kind of, uh, there's a washroom that he gets to use in the house. And every now and then he brings the food tray in and drops it off <laughs> and then you don't pick back out of the house. And so you have to be kind of hanging out in the mm. kitchen kind of hub of the house if you're going to lay eyes on him and and get a moment to have a connection you've got to show up for work moms and dads whether you're put to work or not never retire too soon we have to be very available to our children right on up through adolescence Mm, 
thank you for the constant reminder and it's a it's a call to action it's a call to action for for me especially and um you know because i know the the value i have of, of independence and i have to slowly unlearn and, and know that that's about me and yeah it's really powerful i'm really grateful for your your time your heart your energy like i've loved this conversation like like i said i could spend all, all day asking my curious questions but I respect your time and I just love to know what the phrase always better than yesterday means to you. You know, we're on a journey, all of us. And it is my heartfelt belief, especially after coming through, uh, you know, my own dark night of the soul that we are never one step behind or one step in front of where we are meant to be. We are meant to be exactly in this moment on this day. And as the journey goes, we're always stepping forward. We don't need to have that be connected to a certain form or a certain outcome. That in the act of being alive, in the act of being courageous enough to be human, mm. we're always stepping forward, which means that the journey continues, the heart beats on and um, it, it leads us to better tomorrows because that's the trajectory that's the contract that we signed love that i love that um would you do us the honor and the privilege of leaving us with a final thought from your good self yeah you really do have this in you i think so many of us question that and we find ourselves wondering you know do we need to consult all the experts do we need to read all the books why is my kid behaving this way oh my god what does that say about me and if we could just have all the parents in the land know you have got this you have so got this and in the act of landing in that kind of a confident headspace and heart space for yourself it will allow you to step in with that kind of swagger that your children are looking to you to have. And if we could have just one generation of big people show up for the little people in that kind of heart-centered way, it is my enduring belief that we would change the world. So mm. I'll see you on the road. I'm just gonna let that simmer. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate you. Thank you. I love being here. There we go. What an awesome conversation, as I like to do at the end of every episode, is to take some time to reflect and um, really think about what were some of my own personal key takeaways. And I hope that you maybe you'll, you'll reflect too and, and on your key takeaways. And I don't know where to start. There was just so much gold, and I'm still chuckling now that I even shared that that crush analogy. Um, but it's just such a a reminder that you know so much advice out there, but her, you know Vanessa's final message is you really do have this in you and I think that's such an encouragement to everybody out there the first thing I say about leadership is to be a great leader first and foremost you have to want to be a leader and the same thing is with parenting I think if you want to be a great parent simply wanting to be a great parent is is a great place to start and then we just simply show up learn and do our best and be better than we were yesterday um, I'd love to see what this sense of unconditional love looks like, not only in the home, but in the workplace too. So yeah, what has resonated with you? What has really stood out from that last half an hour? 
um, I'd love to know. Share it with me either by email, by emailing ryanbhartley at gmail.com, tagging tagging Vanessa and I on on socials, however you'd like to do it. I'd love to know. And uh, I appreciate you for taking the time out of your day. I'll never take it for granted any time that you spend with me here at Always Better Than Yesterday. And I do hope that it has left you better in your heart and in your mind in some way. And I look forward to uh, having you join us again soon. Always love, guys.